special bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus episode, I'm joined by dermatologist Dr. Leona Yip, who is here to answer the questions you submitted on sensitivities, discomfort and irritation, allergy-prone skin, and what's now known as mask knee. So many listeners and GlowJournal.com readers have reached out to me of late with questions about heightened skin sensitivities. The weather has changed. Those of us in Victoria are wearing masks whenever we leave the home. And beyond environmental and external aggressors, our skin is dealing with the effects of internal stresses too. As you know, I am an educated consumer and not an expert. So I firmly believe that questions of this nature should be posed to those who really are qualified to answer them. So I've enlisted the help of Dr. Leona to get to the bottom of those skin irritations. In the name of full disclosure, this episode is sponsored by La Roche-Posay Australia. However, as per all my expert interviews, the guest doctor is never here to push specific brands and products. For this reason, you will only hear Dr. Leona recommend ingredients as opposed to products, giving you the tools you need to make your own educated purchasing decisions. On a personal note, I genuinely have been using La Roche-Posay's Tolerian range, namely the Tolerian Ultra Dermo Allergio Serum, Dermo Cleanser and Ultra Cream to soothe a recent reaction I saw in my own skin following a combination of mask wearing, oversensitizing my skin during a trial, environmental changes and a few internal stresses. You guys know that I have used and loved La Roche-Posay's made-for-sensitive products that are recommended by over 25,000 dermatologists worldwide for many, many years now, which is why I do not hesitate to reach for their soothing Tolarian range whenever I need to restore balance to my skin. I took to Instagram recently to collate your skin questions, and in this episode, Dr. Leona and I are talking sensitive skin. From the difference between sensitivities and allergies and how to determine if you are in fact allergic to a skincare product to how we can prevent and combat mask-related breakouts and the link between rosacea and sensitive skin. I understand that sensitive skin is not so much a skin type as it is a skin condition. So perhaps we'll start there. What is sensitive skin? That's a good question. So the definition of sensitive skin is someone's inability to tolerate most products on their skin, whether it's gentle products for sensitive skin or product actives. The skin feels quite dry, flaky, stingy, and it can look red as well. So sensitive skin can be both a skin type and a skin condition. When it's a skin type for some individuals, this is usually because there's a genetic tendency to what we call an impaired skin barrier function. The skin barrier really is the waterproof seal of the skin that sits at the top made up of skin proteins and skin oils called lipids, namely ceramides, that glue the skin cells together. So it maintains moisture within the skin. So for these individuals with a skin barrier that doesn't work properly, the skin gets dry and it gets irritated more easily and it feels quite reactive and sensitive. When sensitive skin is a condition, we're talking more about external factors Mm -hmm. that's causing it. So for example, we can divide that into skin 
irritancy, irritant contact dermatitis with harsh detergents like soaps or even too much water contact, wind burns, the heat and cold air. And there's also allergic contact dermatitis, which is an immune response really that causes hypersensitivity to certain products that are applied to the skin and you get redness and itchiness. Is there a difference between sensitive skin, what you've just described, and allergy-prone skin? Yeah, they're quite different. So when we're talking about sensitivity to the skin, we're mainly talking about irritability. And the skin gets irritated, usually because the skin barrier doesn't function properly. So we need to repair or restore that skin barrier, create an intact waterproof seal of the skin so it protects the skin itself from harsh elements from the environment and from products. So again, using good moisturizers and ingredients that can restore that for us. And when we're talking about allergic reactions um, or allergy prone skin, we're talking about an immune response. So this is quite different. This is when there is a heightened or an abnormal immune response that whenever you apply these products to the skin, the culprit allergen triggers a series of biological reactions that cause uh, either highs or it can look like eczema and there's usually skin itching with it. I've had one listener ask, is there a true sensitive or reactive skin type or is this something that we have done to our own skin over time? So it can be both. So it can be an inert problem where there's a genetic tendency to an impaired skin barrier function, as I've discussed before. But then some people can also develop sensitive skin over time. And that's because the commonest scenario is the use of active ingredients. For example, the use of alpha hydroxy acids like glycolic acids or retinol for anti-aging skincare and uh, Acne product actives such as salicylic acid, benzoyl peroxide, these are quite harsh on the skin. And whilst they work really well, one of the side effects is it can strip off the oil layer, cause skin irritation, and therefore causing that secondary sensitivity problem. So yes, it can be acquired as well. You've touched on a few of them, but what are the the main symptoms of sensitive and allergy prone skin? What should we be looking out for? Okay, so again, with sensitivity, we're talking about irritability. So the skin tends to feel tight, it's flaky, dry, it can be stinging or burning, it tends not to feel itchy. And it can just have these patches of redness that doesn't go that don't go away. When we talk about skin allergy, because it's an immune reaction, we tend to experience itching with it. And it can either be immediate where you get hive-like rashes, or it could be a delayed reaction where it looks like eczema. And sometimes it can be accompanied by skin blistering as well. I've had several listeners ask if there is a link between rosacea and sensitive skin, which I imagine will come back to what you've touched on with the skin Mm -hmm. barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really common. That's a really important question. When we talk about the skin barrier function, many listeners would know that people with eczema tend to have an impaired skin barrier function. But in rosacea, sensitive skin is almost universal. And this is also because there's an impaired skin barrier function in most of these individuals. And it tends to be an inherent or a genetic tendency. So yes, it is linked. And it's also a vicious cycle when individuals with rosacea try and use many products to address that sensitivity. And products that are not suitable or they're harsh, they strip off the skin barrier further. And then it just aggravates that situation. Another listener who has a quite sensitive skin has asked, will my skin age faster because of rashes and patches of extremely dry skin? Okay, so firstly, skin ageing. The commonest causes of skin ageing is excessive sun exposure and smoking. 
And a combination of factors such as collagen degeneration and surface change cause appearances of pigmentation, fine lines, open pores and redness that contribute to the appearance of aging. While skin dryness, flaking and rashes do not directly contribute to skin aging, but it really can contribute to the appearance of premature skin aging. And I think the best example of that is discoloration around the eyes or under the eyes. People who get dermatitis or eczema tend to get dark circles because they get what we call post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. And it's not because it's a sign of aging, but that reactivity just increases that chance of the skin looking more prematurely older than what it actually is. I'm glad you've mentioned sun exposure. I feel like in every single interview, I somehow managed to bring it back to that <laughs> message of please do not go out in the sun unprotected. Just don't that do is it. the story of my life, what I say to everybody. Yes. <laughs> Whenever there's a way to weave it into a conversation, I will find that way. Oh, yes, me too. <laughs> if we fall into that allergy-prone skin category, mm-hmm. is there a way that we can determine what it is specifically that we're allergic to? One listener has asked if that's something that is best left to a dermatologist or is it something we can figure out ourselves? I think the first thing you can do at home is to create a skin diary. So you write down when you get the reactions, what products you have used and look for a pattern of consistency. If you can find it, great. Product avoidance, that's fantastic. Usually when people are allergic to products you're using, there are two main allergen groups, fragrances and preservatives. If you are unable to find out what you may be allergic to, yes, please see a dermatologist because a dermatologist, we can help you organize allergy testing called patch testing that can test you to a wide range of panels of common allergens as well as rare allergens to help you um, know what exactly it is to avoid to create normal skin. You've mentioned that environmental factors play a role here. So what sort of environmental triggers or aggressors can cause these flare-ups in sensitive skins? So for skin sensitivity, harsh elements in the environment, such as winds, heat, like if you're indoors, the heaters are on all the time, it really dries the skin cold and dry air outdoors and pollution like bushfire smoke, for example, Mm. we know all these factors impair skin barrier function, increases risk of sensitivity and irritation. So that's a little bit different to skin allergies, for example. People with sensitive skin due to allergies tend to suffer from rashes that look like eczema or hives in exposed areas of the skin. And that's mainly in the head and neck region. And they tend to get worse around spring or summer because they tend to react more to airborne allergens like grasses, pollens, for example. This is quite a specific question, but one listener has asked, is there a correlation between sudden onset rosacea acne, dermatitis, and mold toxicity? That's quite a complicated question with not (laughs) quite a straightforward answer. (laughs) Now, um, these three conditions, rosacea, acne, and dermatitis, commonly can have overlapping features. And the best example of a condition that you see overlapping features of these three are Uh, is perioral dermatitis. Now, in terms of how mold toxicity fits into this, it's definitely not the first thing that we think of 
when we see patients because it is less common. And in reality, unless we can test for mold toxicity, the concentration of molds in ventilation or in the household is difficult to attribute it to molds. But definitely mold toxicity and skin reactions have been reported and they can look like hives, they can look like eczema, they can look like little folliculitis or acne spots, but they also tend to present with chest symptoms or mm. breathing difficulties such as asthma symptoms and hay fever. While we're on external triggers, a lot of us, particularly those of us in Victoria, are experiencing a big change in our immediate environment currently as we're all wearing masks every time we leave the house. So many of us are dealing with changes in our skin due to mask wearing. So could you explain why that is? What is it that the masks are actually doing to our skin? I think it does three main things. The first is that the humidity and the heat trapped under the mask actually is quite irritating. And we go back to the skin barrier again, and it actually disrupts the skin barrier, causing that irritation. The second thing that it does is it also traps cosmetics and makeups and the grease and sweat that your skin produce. So because of this, it clocks skin pores. It's got what we call a comedogenic effect and it increases risk of acne breakouts. And the third thing that masks can do is wear the metal wires mold on the nose to ensure good fitting of the mask on the face. That can actually cause a bit of irritation via friction. Uh, and also the edges of the mask can do that as well. I had not even thought about this bit here. There you mm, go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Based on the questions that I've been sent, it seems that mask knee, as we've come to refer to it, comes in many, many forms. So let's start with acne and blackheads. How can we treat these sorts of breakouts from mask wearing and prevent it from returning? Prevention is definitely easier than treatment. Mm -hmm. So firstly, I would advise to avoid wearing makeup and cosmetics, especially foundation and lipstick under your mask. The second thing to do is make sure that you're using a gentle cleanser and a gentle moisturizer before you put the mask on and after you remove the mask. Take regular breaks if possible and when safe to do so because this will actually help the skin breathe, so to speak. In some situations when the skin irritation or the acne outbreaks do not get better, don't delay seeing a doctor because prescription treatments may be needed to improve the skin situation. That's such good advice because I feel like people go about it the opposite way. They think, I'll try and deal with this at home, then I'll go to a doctor if I need to, and then they just can make it so much worse. Yeah, I think with the pandemic as well, lots of people have this concern about going out the house and seeking medical advice. Yeah. So it's important to remember that if your skin does not get better, you let the inflammation or the outbreak linger you can end up getting problems with post-inflammatory redness of the skin or pigmentation, and that itself can be a bit harder to treat. So don't delay seeking medical advice because I think it is essential. Absolutely. Another listener who is a nurse wearing a mask and a face shield around the clock is dealing with redness and sensitive skin from her mask rather than sort of an acne breakout. How could she work to treat this sort of a reaction? So firstly, thank you for being in the healthcare profession yes. frontline. Oh, amazing. Um, yes, it is really amazing what they do. Um, again, the same advice as, as I have given before. So healthcare professionals have to wear masks, N95 masks or masks that are tightly fitted to the face for long hours and usually they are not able to take breaks. So avoid wearing makeup is important. Using a gentle moisturiser 
on the skin. And after you remove the mask, gentle cleansing and replacing the moisture again and avoiding harsh product actives. If there are any issues with a skin rash or outbreaks, please don't delay seeking medical advice. Essentially, it's the same advice, except that they are unable to take the short breaks, unfortunately. One listener has recently developed milia, which she has never had before, and it has only appeared since she started wearing a mask. Could there be a link here? Yes, definitely. So we also see lots of milia presenting as a feature of mask knee. Mm-hmm. And this is because the masks trap skin debris within the skin pores. And the skin debris consists of bacteria, not just from the skin, but bacteria from the nose, air that you breathe out, bacteria from the mouth, also contains grease and sometimes makeup that products that people use on the skin. So it traps, gets trapped in the skin pores and that's milia for you. We've talked about external stresses. What about internal stresses? What effect can things like stress and our hormones have on sensitive skin? Our skin generally gets quite reactive to these factors. So while stress and hormones do not directly cause skin conditions, but it commonly trigger flare-ups. Stress tend to flare rosacea, which we know is probably the commonest example of sensitive skin and we think it does that because it sends nerve chemical signals to the skin that causes dilation of blood vessels so we look redder and it's also pro-inflammatory so that's why you can get acne spots for example. For hormonal changes we hear very often and lots of women will report you know their experiences about flare-ups during their menstrual cycle and Women who are in the perimenopausal, postmenopausal age would find that the skin gets thinner and they may get more problems with sensitive skin. And that's because estrogen hormones are important to maintain the skin thickness and suppleness as well as the skin barrier function. While we're on internal factors, I've had a listener ask, are there any foods that we should avoid to prevent our sensitivities flaring up? She says, my skin always breaks out after I eat protein. I guess it depends on what skin condition we're actually talking about specifically. So let's start with rosacea first. We do know that common food triggers for rosacea are hot and spicy foods, alcohol, as well as foods with cinnamaldehyde, such as chocolates and cinnamon spices. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about acne outbreaks, on the other hand. There is emerging evidence now that people who eat excessive dairy products, so cow's milk protein, whey protein, refined sugars, refined carbohydrates like white breads, white pasta, and even protein shakes, whey protein shakes, can aggravate outbreaks. So I think diet does play a role. However, the good thing and important thing to remember is even if you do modify your diet, your skin problem will not suddenly disappear. It may only reduce the outbreaks for you. I received a lot of questions about how those who have sensitive skin can treat additional skin concerns. So perhaps we'll start broad with this one. What are the very best ingredients that those with sensitive skin should look for in their skincare? I think the first thing to do is aim to moisturise and maintain or improve hydration. Choose moisturizers that trap moisture in the skin. And these are moisturizers that contain added ingredients such as ceramides, which are your natural skin oils or skin lipids. Hyaluronic acid serums are also fantastic because they draw water into the skin. 
Another ingredient that is really good for sensitive skin is niacinamide. And I tend to recommend that as part and parcel now of my standard treatment for rosacea, niacinamide serums. It's anti-inflammatory, it repairs the skin barrier function, and it's also got anti-aging properties. Now, rather than skincare to keep sensitive skin looking healthy and to keep irritation at bay, let's say someone has already experienced a flare-up, what ingredients should they look for to soothe and ease that flare-up? Okay, so there are two main components of treatment here. The first is, again, to restore the skin barrier. And that's why the skin is sensitive, because the skin barrier is not working really well. The second thing we have to do here is treat that inflammation. So, Let's go back to the first, which is to repair that skin barrier. Use products with niacinamide because that's anti-inflammatory both and it repairs the barrier function, improves hydration. Hyaluronic acid and ceramides are also fantastic for that. To treat inflammation, some people will need prescription treatments. So seeing your GP or a dermatologist early is key because if you leave that too long, it will take longer for the skin to recover. This is something we've already touched on, but I received so many questions about it. So I think it's worth spending a bit more time on. I was sent in a lot of questions about active ingredients. Mm -hmm. So can those, is there a way that people with sensitive skin can use actives like AHAs, BHAs, even vitamin C? Okay, that is an excellent question. (laughs) Uh, The answer is yes, you can, but with caution. And it depends on how sensitive your skin is. If you have to use or if you want to use AHAs, BHAs and antioxidants, start slow. Use a product with low concentration and maybe even leave it on for a few hours. Wash it off. See if your skin can tolerate it. And then you graduate it using it once a week and then to two or three times a week. But always use that with a moisturizer over the top. And this is advice that I find not many people are aware of. You use these products and many people do not put a moisturizer over it. So you have to do that because AHAs, BHAs and retinols, they actually irritate the skin because they compromise skin barrier function. Moisturizing helps to counteract that effect. Adding in niacinamide serums or hyaluronic acid serums are also very good to counteract that irritation. I've had a listener ask, how can I exfoliate my sensitive skin? And she's noted that she's allergic to fruit enzymes. So fruit enzymes, we're referring to the alpha hydroxy acids like glycolic acids. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Because some people would then think, all right, I'll revert to physical exfoliation, which is actually harsher using using scrubs and uh, brushes. And that's definitely a no-no, especially for sensitive skin. Now, chemical exfoliation is still a much better option for people with sensitive skin. And what I would suggest is use products with PHAs, which are polyhydroxy acids. Mm. And these are, for example, lactobionic acids or gluconolactone. They are good product ranges out there with PHAs. And why they are good is, I'll just quickly explain um, the chemistry very quickly. Sure. So the AHAs, BHAs, and PHAs, I suppose they are cousins. The BHAs, which are beta-hydroxy acids, for example, salicylic acid, they penetrate the skin deeper than AHAs and PHAs. So that's why they're great to unclog skin pores of acne. 
The AHAs penetrate more superficially, so they're great chemical peels, but the PHAs are much bigger molecules. They do not penetrate the skin. They stay on the skin surface, they are humectants. So they draw water, they hydrate the skin, and at the same time, they're gentle skin exfoliants. So they're actually a fantastic ingredients that many people are not aware of. I mean, I wasn't. I'm meant <laughs> to be across this. That's amazing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Something new every day. I, I learn that too every day. What about retinol? I know you've talked about how the key to um, introducing actives that are quite strong into your routine is to start small and obviously to finish it with a moisturiser to counteract any of those potentially irritating factors. But I have had a listener specifically ask, is retinol a really bad idea for extremely sensitive skin? Generally speaking, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Retinol tends to be irritating. It's there are different grades of retinoids. Retinoids is the, the broad class of vitamin A derivatives. You have prescription retinoids such as tretinoin, which is the strongest, and you have retinol that comes in different strengths. And then there's retinaldehyde. People with really sensitive skin may be able to tolerate retinaldehyde or low strength retinol. Introduce it really slowly. And again, use a moisturizer and add in serums such as niacinamide or hyaluronic acid if you would like to try them. When there is skin irritation, when the skin starts to feel stingy, it feels tight or it's flaky or red, stop it, let it heal before you try again, but use less of it. So if you, you, if you were using that two or three times a week, for example, you could try using it once a week. If the skin irritation continues, maybe it's a good idea to stop it and switch it to something else like PHAs. I've had a listener ask, how can those with sensitive skin work to clear acne, given that so many acne clearing products contain really strong active ingredients? We have some really excellent questions here. This is a really important question because a lot of people actually go to the pharmacy as their first point of call for over-the-counter acne treatments, mainly salicylic acid and benzoyl peroxide based, which are both skin irritants and compromise skin barrier. And that's why it's difficult to tolerate. If you are unable to tolerate these over-the-counter products, see your GP or a dermatologist, you may be better off getting prescription treatments such as oral antibiotics or hormonally based treatments or an oral vitamin A treatment that may potentially cause less problems for your skin. Now, we know how important sun protection is. I've had a few people write in and I'm glad they did. I'm glad they care about it. They've written in to ask, how can I choose a sunscreen that won't irritate my sensitive skin? What should they be looking for and what should they be avoiding? Okay, so firstly, what I would always say to everyone is sunscreens alone are not enough to give you adequate sun protection. To be sun smart, you need to use sunscreens, protective clothing, sunglasses, staying in shade. Um, and what's the other one I'm missing? Um, uh, you can pop a hat on. A hat on, yes, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I should. It's my favourite one, any excuse to wear a hat. I think if you're wearing absolutely. a hat, it's going to be a nice time. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I grew into my kids. I just had a mental block there. So coming back to the sunscreens. An important thing to remember is sunscreen allergy is very rare. When people get sunscreen allergy, what they're actually allergic to are fragrances and preservatives in the sunscreens. If your skin is sensitive, and even for those without sensitive skin, look for sunscreen products that are hypoallergenic and fragrance-free 
as much as possible and non-comedogenic. That means it doesn't clog the skin pores. If you're still finding it hard to tolerate, then choosing a physical sunscreen with titanium dioxide or zinc oxide are actually better than chemical sunscreens because the formulation of chemical sunscreens require more preservatives. If it's still problematic, see a dermatologist because we are able to organise allergy testing to find out what exactly you're allergic to. Amazing. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings on this next question and I imagine you will too. Are essential oils something that should be avoided if you have sensitive skin? I've had a listener write in to tell me that she's using quote-unquote natural products because she has sensitive skin, but she's finding that most natural products with essential oils in them are still irritating her skin. So firstly, what's the definition of natural Mm. You know, it, it's really a marketing claim. There is no industry standard to define what natural products are. There's no clinical definition either. And there's definitely no evidence to prove that natural products are safer or more effective for your skin. And in fact, products that are manufactured, we know exactly what, what ingredients go in there, in what concentrations and how they are formulated. And it's a myth that natural skincare is better for your skin. Now, essential oils are actually fragrances. There are more than 80 known human fragrance allergens in the world, synthetic fragrances and natural fragrances included. Out of these, at least a third are actually essential oils. So it's no wonder that many people react and they get allergic contact dermatitis with natural products, which are highly fragranced with these oils. I've had another listener write in, saying how come scented products, even those that are marketed for sensitive skin, make my face bright red and look almost burnt? That's a good question. And two reasons. The first is it actually could be an allergic contact dermatitis to fragrances that are in there. And the second is essential oils. Some examples such as bergamot oil, lavender, limonene, derived from lime, for example, they actually can increase sun sensitivity. So it makes you burn easier under the sun. And that would explain why you're getting that sunburn and stinging sensation. So again, the message would be to avoid fragrance products and use fragrance-free and hypoallergenic sunscreens and products. And what about makeup? Are there any ingredients in colour cosmetics that should be avoided if you've got sensitive skin? So the colour in cosmetics is created generally with iron oxide. Iron oxide on its own is hypoallergenic, but nickel, which is one of the commonest allergens in the world, is commonly found in iron oxide. And those people with skin sensitivity is probably reacting to nickel in the iron oxide in makeup products like foundation, eyeshadows, and mascara. So if you have sensitive skin and you're reacting to cosmetics, try and choose cosmetics that are free of nickel to begin with. If you still have a problem, see a dermatologist. Allergy testing can help you sort that out, hopefully. To wrap up, what would be just a couple of your big, top, all-encompassing tips to help people prevent, reduce and soothe any irritations in sensitive skin? So the first is maintain skin barrier function. Moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. And number two is avoid harsh products. Any products that cause skin irritation or allergic reactions 
uh, no, no. Choose products that are hypoallergenic, fragrance-free, non-comedogenic. So there's increased risk of acne breakouts as well. And my third is sun protection is your best and cheapest long-term investment for your skin. If you get sunburns and skin cancers, it makes it more difficult for us to treat your skin sensitivity. That was dermatologist Dr. Leona Yip, who you can find at www.drleonayip.com. You can discover more about La Roche-Posay's soothing and hydrating Tolerian range formulated specifically for sensitive and allergy-prone skin at laroche-posay.com.au or on Instagram at laroche-posay-a-u-n-z. To read this interview, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.